Well, greetings, friends. It's amazing to see how far we have come in just two years. Brad Friesen said that the church is the sustainable presence of Jesus in the community, a way to introduce Jesus to everyone in that community. Lucas Van Beschoten shared with us at a staff meeting uh, that he believed that God loved him so much that he built a church across the street from him. And friends, that's what I think God is doing. Is he's building room for these communities and our North, Northwest campus. How cool is that? For prayer updates, please text the word BUILD to 403-293-3900. Also, I uh, wanted you to be aware that the In the Know and the Shoreline will be released this weekend. And so you want to make sure you get those. You're going to be able to see more of the stories and hear what's happening in the church, what's going on here at Center Street Church, as well as, if I can encourage you Check out the webpage. There is so much great content and connection that's going on in our church right now. There's so much for you to be a part of. I want to encourage you to take a look at that. Again, your generosity is making a difference. As you saw in that video, but also locally, nationally, internationally, you'll hear some of what that investment is doing in a little later in the service. And on the screen, you'll also see that there's numerous ways that you can give to Center Street Church. And again, we thank you for your giving and your faithfulness. Well, I'm really excited about Global Ministries Weekend and uh, being with you. And uh, today I get to be one of the speakers that's going to share the weekend. Myself and Brad Friesen are going to be tag teaming. And it's going to be a great weekend of hearing from God's word and then hearing uh, what that word has done in the lives of our partners um, around the world. And so I am excited to continue in the Matthew series that, again, Pastor Ashwin's been doing such a great job with, and how this text that we're, lead, we're going to be studying today is really connected in the global ministries uh, side of things in our church. You know, in February, we had the theme uh, of the art of mission. We saw how artists were using their unique gifts and talents for God's kingdom. And it was so inspiring to see their uniquenesses and what they bring into the communities and our country for Christ. This weekend, we're going to continue to be a little bit in that theme. We're using this tag team approach, as I mentioned with Brad, is that I'm going to spend the first half of our time helping us get better connected to our text today and the teaching of Jesus. Following this, I'm going to hand it off to Pastor Brad, um, who is going to let you into the world of what's happening through our global ministries partners and workers. It's going to be a great time for you to hear some of these stories. So grab your Bible, maybe a coffee or, or a glass of water or whatever it is you need to have to kind of make yourself ready to go, because God's going to speak to you today, I really believe it. So my first youth ministry position at First Church in the Nazarene, we were given permission from the church board to renovate an old part of the church and turn it into the youth center. It was a big job. It was my first big project as a young youth minister. So many people jumped in and helped make it a reality. I never felt alone on this project. And for those who know me well, I am not gifted with the ability of building things or construction stuff. In fact, there's kind of an unwritten rule that when it comes to power tools, Wayne is not allowed to use them. But God brought so many people with different skill sets and talents. It was amazing. And at the end of the project, we, were, we started to paint the walls, which I actually can do. Back then, we used images from a clip art book. We used overhead projectors using transparencies and would project the images on a wall. We would trace them and then start to paint them. And the students and myself and the leaders all participated in this. 
There was an image that I can still see in my mind's eye today. A picture of Jesus motioning, inviting people to come and join him in mission. I actually tried to find it in my old books, but couldn't. But it stuck with me for a very long time. And it's also become part of my own personal conviction. This visual image came directly from today's text in Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into his harvest field. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. And God, today, as we unpack these incredible words to us, I pray that I'll get out of the way, Father. There'll be no distractions for my friends joining us. And Father, that you would speak directly to their hearts today. I thank you so much for this text today, which means so much to me, and as I've interacted, Father, to to many others as well. So, Father, we invite you to have your presence here with us during this time. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. See, to me, it's simple, friends. More laborers for the harvest are needed. And I've entitled the sermon this weekend called Made for Mission. So, first of all, I said to myself, what's Jesus' mission? Well, we read it very clearly in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now we read in verse 35, Jesus went out throughout all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. See, friends, he was living out his mission, doing what he was called to do. He was showing an example to the people of God's love for them, and it was very different than the religious leaders were saying. He brought the good news to them, which was the teaching part. And he also brought the deeds, which was the healing part, showing them the power of God he had. Matthew shares similar words in chapter 4, verses 23 to 25, making clear that the incidents that he has reported are the example of Jesus' many works and teachings. But these verses are strategic in chapter 9. We start to see that Jesus' mission is not his alone. As we flip ahead to chapter 10, we see Jesus calling his disciples who must carry on his works. And friends, if we are his disciples, if we claim his promises, then I would say that we are called. In fact, we are made for mission, his mission. So in verse 36, we continue to read. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So what was Jesus' motivation? You know, well, it was very clear. It said he had compassion. There's something profound with the sequence of Jesus' action in this passage. Seeing the crowds, he felt compassion on them. We need to be able to see, and when we can do that, we can begin to enter into his compassion for people. The compassion of Jesus is not pity. 
In fact, the Greek word for compassion describes a yearning, right, from even from the bowels, from the gut. In ancient times, <clears throat> the bowels were the very seat of emotions. And, and friends, I relate to that, that, that feeling in my gut when I see a fella at a stoplight with a sign asking for food or when someone approaches me or even when we interact with somebody here in our compassionate ministries. It's, 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 I don't relate, uh, relate this to a feeling in my, in my head or my heart. It's right here. It just makes you feel that way. It's the same word used to describe how the Samaritan felt when he came across a man beaten and thrown into a ditch. The compassion that we feel from the very depths of our being is what propels us to action. Jesus shows this in Mark chapter 2 when he himself says, I have compassion for these people. If I send them away, they will collapse on the way. Bob Pierce, founder of World Vision and Samaritan's Purse, regularly prayed, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. We need to see the world around us, friends, through Jesus' eyes, allowing the depths of our being to be moved by that brokenness around us. When we allow our hearts to be broken, we cannot help but act. The Samaritan was compelled to act just as Jesus was compelled to act, having been moved by the lostness of the crowds. Ever have that feeling of being lost? A moment of panic? I remember this very clearly as I was kind of writing this. I was, I was a young man and uh, was traveling from uh, Vancouver to Vancouver Island with my parents. And I got separated from my folks when we were going down to the lower decks to get in the car. And I got scared. And I didn't know what to do. And I was kind of like a little panicked. And I, and I looked for, then I realized I just need to look for somebody, like a staff person to help me, who would help me find my way back to help end my lostness. When thinking of this, it also brought me to the connection to the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15, verses 3 through 7. Jesus told him this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? The sheep was lost. The shepherd goes to find it. That shows deep compassion and love. When I use that word lost, I'm referring to those that have not yet found Jesus to be the way of having a full, wonderful life. A life to the full, as it says in John. To be lost just means that you've not experienced this life Jesus has for you. And friends, it is an amazing ride to have Jesus as the center of your life. Writer King, King Duncan shares a story of an elderly gentleman who was out walking with his young grandson. How far are we from home? He asked his grandson. The boy answered, Grandpa, I, I don't know. The grandfather then asked, well, where are you? And again, the boy answered, I don't know. And then the grandfather said good-naturedly, sounds to me like you're lost. And the young boy looked up at his grandfather and said, nope, I can't be lost. I'm with you. The story resonates with me because when we're with Jesus, we're with him. He's with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The question is, is, do you see the world around you through the eyes of Jesus? Through the eyes of compassion? If we do, I believe it will move us from mere thought to convicted action. Let's continue in the text into verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So what did Jesus see? Well, Jesus saw potential. 
The second thing he did in this passage was to bring it to our attention, that God sees a tremendous potential for a great harvest to be brought into the kingdom of God. And he saw that, that what was keeping that from happening, there were not enough workers in the field to make that harvest possible. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God did not save us to just keep us on display on a shelf put over here. No, God saved us to be made in the image of Christ to do good works, which God prepared for us to do. That's part of our calling. That's part of us being part of Jesus. The term Jesus uses for workers here also comes up in Matthew 10 again, indicating that the workers Jesus wished to send forth into the harvest were his own disciples. He trains us in our life with him so that we can reach the world for him. And friends, we have said it many times at Center Street, we are about making disciples. And those disciples make disciples. In turn, they carry on the work spoken about that Jesus' last words were to us in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, which will be a sermon upcoming. History is full of people moved by the Spirit of God, seeing the potential and the need of people, the value of people to God, and they do something about it. Robert Rakes sees the need for poor children in England to receive a biblical education and is credited as one of the founders of the Sunday School Movement. William Wilberforce, a member of the House of Commons in England, campaigns tirelessly to abolish the slave trade. As I thought about this, and I thought a little closer to home, in the late 70s and early 80s, the Burning Bush Coffee House starts at First Baptist Church. And in 1984, there wasn't a lot of support for those who are in poverty and great need. Pat Nixon steps up, sees the need and the value in people, and forms the mustard seed. And friends, Lloyd Senenko, founder of Heart Ministries, in 1994 visits the Ukraine Troubled by the poverty is moved to compassion. As he flew back to Canada on the website, it says, I knew that I needed to do something or to be part of something that would help the people of Ukraine. And that changes the trajectory of his life. I believe that there's only one you. You are uniquely equipped to be part of this great harvest in your circle of relationships, in your sphere of influence. And you can reach and love people that I can't that others can't. That's why you're unique where you are. See, people matter to God. They have value. They have potential. Can you see how you can use your life so that others can see Jesus through you? Finally, in verse 38, it says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What did Jesus say to do? He said to pray, ask the Lord. As I was preparing, I was reminded that the first statement of our staff values at Center Street Church is, go to God. And first, Jesus models that is that he says, pray, ask the Lord. As the great provider to send out the workers, he asks, people respond. God equipped every one of us with spiritual gifts that's going to have a part in making that harvest possible. When we read again Ephesians 2.10, it says that you're God's handiwork. I read one author that says you're God's masterpiece. You're a great work of art. You're God's new creation. 
Sometimes we may think that we need to be a prophet or a super spiritual leader in order to matter or make a difference. But Jesus said again in Matthew 10, 42, if anyone gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. When you feel the call on your heart to pray for the Lord to send workers into the harvest field, friends, you better be prepared to be the first harvester in your bathroom mirror. As God moves in the depths of your heart to respond to the things that break his heart, and as you feel compelled to pray earnestly for the lost and broken, start looking in the mirror for the first worker to go into that particular harvest field. That's so often how Jesus works. Many times, you are the answer to your own prayers and to the prayers of others. That's why we're so passionate about making disciples. We need to have more people living on mission because so many more people need Jesus. Why we are made for mission. I'll close with this. A group of California high school students planned to do a spring break Mexico missions trip to help the poor. They had prayed that God would use them in a mighty way and anticipating an exciting week of ministry, they journeyed to this small church just outside of Mexicali. Arriving, upon arriving at this church, this rural church, the students saw that they, where they were going to be serving, the church had been badly burned. The roof had caved in and there was basically only four walls there. They kind of cautiously made their way to the building and they heard a hymn being sung in Spanish. They were greeted by puzzle stares of wearied, by a weary, discouraged Mexican pastor and nine parishioners who were midway through their Sunday morning service. It came apparent that the church and the pastor had no idea that these students were coming. At the end of the hymn, the pastor stopped the service, walked back to the group of high school students and said, ¿Qué pasa? Which the group interpreted to mean, what in the world are you young white kids doing in our church in Mexico? After a long silence, one of the students spoke, said, well, we're Christians, we're a youth group from California. We're here to serve. The pastor got emotional and said, some people in the village burned down our church six months ago, he explained, and we've been praying that God would send help, but honestly, we had given up hope that help was ever coming. Praise be to God. They were all stunned silent. So many times students had heard how God wanted to use them and they were now experiencing it for the first time. Amazed, one of the students, students turned to one of the other students and says, I can't believe it. We're an answer to prayer. See, I can relate to that story personally, friends. I've been to Mexicali many times, but I was blessed to lead so many teams over my ministry career and got to witness how God's people were answers to prayers to families when they visited their sponsored children, to churches when they served and did outreaches, when they met with the communities and held different parts of outreaches and connections to communities. From this text and others over the years, I've come to a conviction that my personal purpose statement is directly connected to the mission that Jesus has. And that gives me a big picture for the kingdom. It gives me a personal calling to use my uniqueness to partner with him because, friends, I am made for mission. So how about you? Will you be moved by compassion? Will you see the potential? 
Will you pray to the Lord for workers? Will you be available and open? And friends, finally, do you believe that you were made for mission? I'm going to invite Brad Friesen up to come and share some great news with you. Hey, thanks, Wayne. Can you believe it? God has made us for mission, and he wants to work with us to reach his harvest. Now, if you're like me, perhaps you've experienced wonderful things that God has done, but then disappointment seems to find its way in. Well, one of our global workers is just like that. Jill, one of our own people, sent by the Lord to Peru, had her plans changed quite drastically due to this virus. Now, I had a chance to catch up with Jill this past week, and she wants to share with us, her church, how God is greater than her disappointment. Let's watch. Hey, Jill, your own church sent you. In fact, it was your missional community that recognized that you were made for mission and gave you that call to go to Peru. Now, you're back home. The plan did not go quite as expected. How did you learn and how have you seen that God is greater than the disappointment, even when you go into the harvest for him? So I've definitely seen God be greater than my circumstances through all the ways he worked to bring me back home from Peru a little over a month ago. When the president of Peru announced on March 15, 2020, that the borders were closing, any hope that I had to get back home seemed to be gone. But in the two weeks that followed, God performed a dramatic rescue in my life to bring me back to Calgary. He arranged for buses under the authority of the Canadian embassy to move me from the city I was living in to the capital of Lima. In Lima, he had a hotel for me to stay in where I waited for a week to find out whether or not I was even going to make it on a flight. And then he arranged for me to get on the fourth flight out of only seven that left Peru to come back to Canada during this time. And he kept me healthy the whole time uh, so that I could actually make it all the way back home. And even once I got here, God had lined everything up so I could just come back to Canada. He had my apartment empty that I had rented out in December because those people's plans had changed. My car that I sold, he arranged to return it to me because that person's plans had changed. And he even gave me my job back and I got to start work last week. So it's just been incredible to see how faithful and good he's been to me. He went before me to make the way straight for me to come home. And he was with me that whole time as I made my journey back home. That's so fantastic. Wasn't that awesome? Jill experienced disappointment, and yet God took care of all her needs and went before her. Well, Daryl and Karen are also some of our global workers in the field of Asia. I had a chance to talk to Daryl this week as they've had to return home, and he shared with me how he used his global worker training to reach those people in his backyard right here in our own city. Hey, Daryl, you and Karen have been on the mission field for many years, and you've had some of the most elite training that there is. You're clearly made, you're made for mission. <laughs> How did you use that elite training once you got back to Calgary during this whole global crisis? How did you use it for, to really impact the harvest for the Lord? Well, we are stuck here. We, we're supposed to be in Thailand right now, but we can't be. And so one of the things that we learned in our, in our early missionary training was to uh, get to know your neighbors wherever you go. And so uh, they said, to, you know, suggested that we uh, make a map. And so we, uh, we made a map of our, of our street with little boxes uh, to write the names of all our neighbors. And uh, I thought, well, how are we going to meet them? And it was right in the middle of the coronavirus, the epic coronavirus 
toilet paper crises. And I thought, well, what a great gift <laughs> to give to people. And uh, so we packaged that up with a, a, a Gospel of John and an invitation to the Center Street Easter service and some treats. And off we went. And uh, it was incredible. In the last three weeks, we have met, well, I have over 60 names on that piece of paper. Uh, we know the names of many, many people, their kids, and people greet us on the streets right now. The reception was really amazing. And um, we actually met 10 different Christian families on the street. And uh, we, we now have a list of all those. And we're actually getting together every Sunday at 3 o'clock on the corner, social distancing. And we're getting to know amazing stories, uh, drug dealers and people that have been in prison and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, people that, uh, mm, survivors of the Rwandan genocide, people who love God, who want to bring hope to their neighborhood. And yeah, we're, we're, we don't know what it's gonna, all going to turn out to be, but what an amazing opportunity to bring hope using a roll of toilet paper. So I just want to encourage everybody out there just to take what's in your hands and go and meet your neighbors because the relationships that God gives us and the opportunities that we have are endless. So get out there and give the hope of Christ to people. Did you catch that? We sometimes think that only super spiritual people can go around the world and tell people about Jesus. I'm not saying that Daryl and Karen aren't super spiritual, but they did something so simple that brought so much hope. We can all do that. We can all be part of the harvest. Perhaps the most elite training is to simply love your neighbor. So we encourage you, just like Daryl, practice proper distancing, respect everyone, but bring hope. Let us not be found gospel distancing now, Dan and Carrie Weens have also returned home because of the virus, but they did not want to just leave their ministry in South Africa. In fact, they brought what they learned from their ministry in South Africa back home and practice it in their own backyard. I had a chance to catch up with them. Let's see how they too are made for mission. Hey, Dan and Carrie, you guys do a ministry called Farming God's Way. Now, that sounds awesome. We want to hear a little bit about that. Now, it's clear from how you've been uh, serving that you guys are made for mission. How can you encourage us that as we go outside, even during this quarantine, we can use our harvest for not only our kitchen tables, but for the kingdom of God? So starting with the South Africa piece, uh, we established a charitable nonprofit called Inando Development. And through the trust, we were able to purchase some land and to establish a model and a training farm. This farm exists so that we can train leaders in how to apply the good news to every area of life, physical, social, mental, emotional, and of course, spiritual. We specifically focus on how food can be an expression of God's heart for the poor. And at the farm, we've been training interns to apply biblical principles to food production. This results in a tangible, practical picture of God's good news for all people. When people eat, that's great news. This tangible expression is most especially relevant now when the poor in Africa are experiencing a very difficult time accessing food during the lockdowns that are worldwide. People we've trained are actually harvesting vegetables in the lockdown. You should see the smile on their faces and the contentment of their families. We happen to be in Canada at the moment and I've been able to 
come alongside uh, the next door neighbors and teach them how to work in harmony with God's creation to grow vegetables for their tables. Um, these are people who don't go to church, but are exploring the connections between cultivating, looking after their soil, and spirituality. Through an end of development, we've been able to develop farmers, community leaders, and national trainers, not just for South Africa, but Ethiopia as well. This word in Nando, it's Latin for overflow, and it's been an incredible privilege to see people first come to faith in Christ, and then to learn, and then to train others, and experience the overflow of God's blessings as they learn to walk in His ways. That's fantastic. Well, I don't know about you, but I know I want to use my garden not only for food, but for reaching those around me with hope. Now, we have one last partner that many of you might remember if you've been to one of our services over the past few years. His name is Ron Pierce. Ron has given us some words of encouragement about what he is seeing and hearing around the entire world during this time. Now, he was unable to give me a video, but I was able to get a clip from him that would encourage us this week. Let's listen to this. And let your faith and hope grow for what God is doing during this strange time in history. Greetings to you all at Center Street. From myself, Ron Pierce at Empower Ministries, and the national believers we work with in 45 countries around the world, I have good news to share with you today. I am constantly in touch with national church leaders globally, almost unanimously, they are sending us confirmed reports of the largest turning to God they have ever witnessed. The fear of dying from a tiny little virus is pushing the unsaved to ask questions about life and life after death. They are abandoning their false religions and seeking peace with God. Pastors and Christians in many regions are inundated with requests from honest seekers for a copy of God's Word, the Bible. The backslidden and prodigals are coming home. Church planters are leading people to Christ and discipling them, primarily in small groups or online, but by the thousands and overall in the world into the millions. The Bible tells us that in the end times, there will be a massive global outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe we are seeing the beginnings of that now. God bless you all, and thank you for your support. Can you believe that, church? The love and hope of Jesus is spreading faster than any virus. It is bringing more life and hope than anything that the world can offer. We take seriously the health and well-being of people around the world, but we know that the hope that Jesus has for us will provide more healing than anything that the world has to offer. Church, we were made for mission we have an opportunity. So I must ask, what is God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Now, you might be new to this whole church thing. Perhaps all this talk about Jesus is new to you. Or perhaps it's giving you hope that you have not felt for a very long time. Well, we want to give you a chance today to experience that same hope that we're talking about that Jesus is bringing around the world. You know, the Bible says that if you believe that Jesus died for you and that he rose again, that you can have that, that hope in these uncertain times. It will help you so dearly in this time of global uncertainty and fear. Today, if you have not chosen 
to try the way of Jesus in your life, we want to encourage you to do so. In fact, we want to try it right now. If you want Jesus to come into your life and give you the hope that we have talked about today, then just pray this simple prayer with me. You can do it out loud or you can do it in your mind. Just follow along now. Dear Jesus, I'm having a hard time finding hope in this world. But today, I'm hearing about the hope you give. I want that hope. Help me to believe in you more every day so that I can live your way. Please come into my life and save me. I can't do this on my own. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to celebrate with you because this is the greatest day of your life. Jesus will come and give you everything you need. And if you did pray that prayer, we want to celebrate with you. On your screen below, you will see a number that you can text for prayer. Will you text us and tell us that you just asked Jesus into your life to bring you hope? I'm so excited that during this Global Ministries weekend of May 2020, we get to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. He has hope and life for us all. He is giving himself throughout the world, and I trust that he has made his presence known to you today. He has made us for his mission. Now, as you are going throughout this week, I want to give you a challenge. When you go to our church website, www.cschurch.ca, you will find a banner at the top that says Global Ministries Weekend. On it, when you click, you'll be able to download a PDF document that will give you ideas of how to pray and serve to become part of our Global Harvest team. I hope you will check it out. 